0: Okay, no thoughts, and we end with Matt Pollard of Burgundy News reporting Cole Bassett is likely to be recalled to the Rapids. You're having think totally you doodle. You're we
1: terrible. I'm so lucky. I love it. Honey, lad.
0: Let's go again. Who paid for the nachos? No rain,
1: nor wind, nor snow classico. Reporting the High Line with Rabbi and Happy Turkey Week and USMNT World Cup anxiety, Rapids fans. This is Holding the High Line with Rabbi and Red. My name is Matt Pollard, and I have not embezzled millions of dollars to buy an apartment in New York City for my cat. It is Monday, November 21st, 2022, and we are coming to you just hours after the United States opening 1-1 draw with Wales in Group B. FIFA World Cup has kicked off and all of the controversies are taking place on and off the pitch. If only we could have foreseen this. The Rapids finally have a front shirt sponsor and the prodigal son of Littleton, Colorado has returned to the front rage for now, question mark. I'm joined now by a man who does not think LeBron James would be on this World Cup squad (laughs) had he chosen soccer over basketball, Rabbi Mark Goodman.
0: I couldn't recognize, like anybody in that tweet i mean that's how out of the culture i am but i couldn't it was an amazing if you didn't catch it that reference is fantastic matthew you you painted a rembrandt right there that was really <laughs> a winner but if you didn't see the tweet espn uh no it was sports, uh, center. sports center um sports center tweeted what if our best athletes played soccer which they like i think they literally meant it i don't think they referenced basically the long-running usmnt twitter joke which is like you know folks like me and matt and the soccer uh twitterati very strongly think that the what if our best athletes played soccer is like so comically neanderthal that it's effectively like a meme it's like a it's like a milk duck uh milk toast you know, spark it's the no no milk duck milk duck there's, milk there's duck another there's a meme out there which is uh Topanga's husband is a is a milkshake duck. That's that's the that's the meat. Oh, okay. I know milkshake duck. Milkshake OK, milkshake duck. Yeah. So it's basically the what if our best athletes played soccer is like a milkshake duck level meme. For those of you who don't catch that reference, you're going to have to
1: now Google two things at once. So. All right, anyway. Um but so to to that point Mark just to uh, to give my I don't know that we've formally discussed this, but so a few quick things that I have to say about this. One, like the someone tweeting that is that like tell me you're not tell me you're a casual. I watch the USMNT at World Cups and at no other time without telling me you casually watch the USMNT and only during the World Cup. And the second thing that I have to say is just the absurdity of it where I've seen these lineups and the shortest person at least in I'll say recent memory um I wasn't on Twitter enough in 2010 to know what that starting eleven they had usually, but I'll say 2014 and then through to now. Most of those lineups have included Steph Curry, point guard or shooting guard, for the Golden State Warriors in the NBA, he plays basketball. For those of you who are listening to us but are not Nuggets fans and aware of Steph Curry, um, and he's usually marked the shortest person that you have in that lineup. Steph Curry is six foot three. The tallest non-goalkeeper at the 2014 World Cup was Jerome Boateng at six foot three. I just, I, I don't understand. You know, the NBA and the NFL, completely understandably, have emphasized height and strength, i.e. muscle mass buildup, over the course of the last several decades, and those just simply do not translate to soccer. LeBron James is, what, 6'7", 6'8", probably 250 pounds. If that was a viable body, shape, and human being for soccer, I think we would see more guys who are 6'8", and not scrawny goalkeepers or Axel Schuberg on first-team rosters in MLS, in Europe, or at the World Cup as well. Where I do think there's an accurate point to be made there, Mark, in that we're capable of producing world-class athletes that are capable of dominating their sport in the olympics when it's international competition the nba is still overwhelmingly un-american League and then even some of the other international sports that we have, uh, you know, baseball. I think has had very good prominence in South America, Central America, um, the Caribbean, and Asia. Obviously, um, basketball is now an international sport. You know, hockey. You could argue the Canadians invented it, and they just piggybacked off of us in terms of being close from a population to have a proper league growth and standpoint. But still, like if you were to bet, put you know together the the best possible USA lineup, that would stack up against most other. Uh, most other nations in baseball, we dominate in basketball, obviously, and we're still very competitive in hockey, albeit we usually lose to Canada or sometimes Russia. And so I think where there's a or there's a productive conversation out of somebody tweeting something ignorantly about that. And then just having the piss taken out of them by soccer Twitter is what if we put in the amount of resources into soccer like we do for basketball in terms of how ubiquitous basketball courts are um, like we do with football, like we do with other sports. Hockey, I would say less so, though it's mostly regionalized to areas where that's a little bit more popular. But, you know, Mark, you as a kid who as someone who's worked in youth soccer, as someone who's had a kid come up through the ranks and everything, you know how fraud it is and how much of a closed gatekeeping, expensive barrier to entries Barrier to entry there is, and so if we did that a little bit better in the same way we do with other sports, one would think, based on our population, our proclivity for sports, and everything, that that would be a viable path towards producing world class players that would actually be the LeBron James of soccer, though not necessarily LeBron James just switching from basketball to soccer. But
0: I mean, I'll, I'll just I'll just add. Um, I think uh, the thing that I'm trying to lean away from, which is really difficult right now, is that. Um, the dialogue about soccer gets ginned up every four or eight years when Americans start paying attention to it, and it's really interesting. But I think you know Matt and I have fallen for the trap, uh, and we won't for the rest of the podcast, so don't worry, folks. But that like they're like I think we watch angry USMNT Twitter get get angry because they've just watched a soccer game for the first time in several years, whereas like you, our dear listeners, are benighted brilliant, educated, highbrow, intellectual, soccer-minded, soccer listeners, um, podcast listeners, you know better. Like You you listen to, consume, and think about soccer on a higher level. And so you're not going to fall for the trap, right? You're going to think about the real kind of moderate pros and cons of the USMNT match against Wales. Um, You're going to watch all these other games. You're going to see formations. You're going to see tactics. Um, you'll see the quality of individual players. You'll kind of see a new player and say, Ooh, who is that guy? What league does he play in? And kind of like get new avenues and new stars will be born and new goats will be made and new scapegoats will be made. Um, and that's the fun of the world cup that we all get to scream and shout about it, uh, in a big way for the next uh, couple weeks. You know, and I think the thing that Matt, you said in your rundown at the very beginning that I got excited about and then we immediately, <laughs> ejected from our uh, brain holes is um, this is a great week tomorrow's my day off I have Tuesdays off because I have a weird schedule because I'm a rabbi and um, and I have the whole day off I am pretty much planning on waking up at 5 15 in the morning to catch at least most of Argentina versus um, Saudi Arabia I I'm kind of leaving it up to you know my my brain to see whether it wants to get up at five or not but um, and then I'm going to sit my butt in a chair and um, try to probably order delivery at some point and just watch soccer games until my eyeballs bleed. And it's the most wonderful time of the year, people. It's just fantastic. It's way better than getting a pumpkin spice latte or a um, a, uh, a a wreath scented pine cone or a pine cone scented wreath or whatever cinnamon flavored, you know, uh, Christmas uh, wreaths and
1: who are going around these days? Like this is the best week. Absolutely, Mark. Um. So, uh, let, let's get into it, Rabbi. Earlier today, United States one, Wales one. Timothy Wea scoring in the thirty-six minute in a transition. Um, From set up by Christian Pulisic for the assist and then uh, the 82nd minute goal from Wales came via Gareth Bale via a penalty that he drew off of Walker Zimmerman. Really a tale of two halves. The US dominating possession pinning Wales into their own half. They weren't able to do anything in transition. Gareth Bale was in Tim Reims pocket mark. for the better part of the first half but the US again had trouble breaking down a low block and while they got the ball into good areas while they got people into good positions into the box lumping crosses in from Christian Pulisic that barely get by the first man most times was not a recipe for success and I think unsurprisingly the one sequence you had where Wales actually was like oh we got the ball back oh we got transition oh we can play in transition oh crap we've given the ball away oh crap Christian Pulisic has it and Tim Wales got one man to beat they end up scoring um and then you look into the second half where i think for the u.s the intensity dropped a little bit wales raised their game key for more obviously a massive addition for them coming off the bench Uh, mark i feel like i'm the one of the two of us to speak objectively about the wide players for um uh for wales as they are dan james and harry wilson two current fulham players and then nico williams former Fulham, now current Nottingham Forest player as well, um, in that Dan James did not do anything. Kiefer Moore did many good things, um, and the U.S. did not match them in intensity. I did not like how late it took Burhalter to make substitutions. I think he could have changed some things to have them deal with that a little bit better. MMA as a midfield was, I think, dead by the 65th minute, understandably with McKenney coming off as he's still nursing a bit of an injury. And even when the U.S. was able to get in transition, just the decision-making did not happen, or it was too slow, or the execution just was not there. Aaronston was great defensively. Aronson was great in terms of his pressing. He had two really good chances in the box that were show of his energy, but anytime he got on the ball, he was a chicken with his head cut off. This was He was emblematic of his and the collective leads team that we have seen So far this season, but fundamentally, Mark, I think this game, once again, as it often can in World Cups, comes down to individuals. Great moment for Christian Pulisic. Great moment for Timothy Weah. Horrible moment for Walker Zimmerman giving up the penalty. Absolutely a pen for me. Yes, he gets the ball, but he goes through. Bale in order to get to it. I think it was a completely unnecessary foul. Um, Kellen Acosta with probably the yellow card of the tournament so far prevented Gareth Bale from potentially shooting at midfield with Tim with Matt Turner a completely out of the box for a goal that I think we'd see on loop for a hundred years in the history of the World Cup. And Mark, I don't know if you've seen some of the quotes that have come out of the pressers from the media that are obviously there. Um, some possible discontent or at the very least, um, Uh, Gio Reyna saying that he's fit and he's available, and him not playing, and him saying that uh, Greg Berhalter doesn't need to explain that to him or to anybody else, and Berhalter saying that he wasn't sure about playing Reyna because he didn't think that he was fit. Rabbi, I've said so many things. Your thoughts?
0: I mean, you had a million great thoughts, and and I agree with pretty much everything you said. I just want to highlight two things of, of the way I saw the game. The beautiful thing about soccer, Matt, is two people can watch the same game and have very different takes or equal takes that are um, not, they, they overlap in the Venn diagram, but they're not repetitive, right? So I think the thing that I liked the most about the first half that we didn't really ach- achieve in the second half was we saw a lot of um, width in, in the first half where the U.S. men's national team put two, sometimes three, even four players wide down the sides combining and maybe, you know, force Wales to kind of like draw to the sidelines, stretching their midfield out. And then we'd hold a guy on the far side of, of the field to keep them honest and then have one player kind of in the middle, like Tyler Adams would be there or Yunus Musa would be there. Um, and and it would, and and then if we could, make a quick, clever one-two, then that player in the middle would sometimes be open, right? And I saw a lot of that in the first half where we really pulled Wales apart in ways that opened up the field that allowed us to maintain possession and penetrate. I really enjoyed that. In the second half, Wales did a better job of possessing the ball um, and not getting drawn to the sidelines by the U.S., and that meant that um, that tactic didn't work as well. The other thing that I saw a lot of that I really um, commend the UF team on uh, was that quick and transition play. They they've always under Greg Berhalter there have been these like lightning fast passes that were you know on the ground really hard um, and a player receiving it like had to make a really fantastic touch just to like gain any control of it. But it was always kind of like a rodeo clown, you know, like like a bucking bronco, like like the USMNT through this entire cycle has played like very like like very strong, like whipping in big passes, like movement, like chaos. There was a lot of energy in the first 30 minutes of the game, Um, but it always felt like they were like barely able to maintain possession on those crazy passes um there was just so much intensity and people running 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 to the ball and and like crashing through things and it was just like like everything's pell-mell helter-skelter um but it never feels controlled right the the team that i was thinking of as i was watching this game and most of the the qualifying cycle was um how much different this generally looks from like Manchester City right Manchester City whips in these precision passes between the lines that find the foot of the player and they settle it perfectly and continue on their way. And the USMNT never looks like that. The the, the pass is always 10% harder hit, and the reception is always like 20% less controlled. So there's always like a bobble and some chaos, and then they've got to recover and like jam with it. But like all the guys, they're incredibly physical, incredibly athletic. And they turn it and they move it like it always feels like they're barely containing it. And then someone goes into a chaotic tackle and they like, you know, sombrero them or like, you know, whip it around. And then they make a kind of a last minute emergency pass. Like it always feels like just barely under control. And there was a lot of that in the first half that like led to some excitement. but in the second half, a lot of that just wasn't controlled. And it just kind of was chaotic from. Um, that's going to work against iran because iran's not going to make the play and we're going to score on them a couple times i don't think that's going to work very well against england on friday we'll get to england later on but like you know there's just there's there's a lot of athleticism and high intensity there's a lot of aggressiveness with this team um but there's definitely like uh there's moments especially in the second half where the plan kind of falls apart and it's unclear what we're doing because the thing that i said we were doing in the first half of like stringing them out and doing, you know, one-twos and one-two-threes on the wings. Like, once that was taken away, it was, you know, switch the field on a long diagonal. It was, you know, hold out for a, a set piece. And it wasn't as dynamic, and it wasn't as fun.
1: Oh, well said there, Mark. Um, I'm not expecting much from the England game. I still think, overall, it's... <clears throat> Uh, I think it got showed pretty easily in the game earlier today, Mark, Uh, England 6, Iran 2, that Iran probably is going to lose all three of their games. So this game, I think, so this ultimately comes down to, can one team get a shock result against England? And if not, what happens between the collective goal difference between how well you can blow out iran and then how well you can not blow out get blown out by or limit the damage from england and i think the or work a draw if you can work a draw against england you're probably through yes and so i think that ultimately comes down to do i like the u.s's collective ability to play in transition when they know they're in an underdog moment and can rise to the occasion or do i like gareth bale in general more and based on the one thing that i've thought about mark i can't remember who I said this to or or if I wrote this somewhere, but um, I feel like the longer the tournament goes on, Gareth Bale is going to work himself in, but he's not fit. He clearly showed that with LAFC. Um, He played five five minutes in the entire month of October for MLS Cup and everything. I don't think Gareth Bale can go 270 minutes in this one. And so I don't know what version of Gareth Bale is going to have any gas in the tank by the time you get to the England game. And so if he doesn't have anything, I don't see how Wales score in that. And so that has to be a loss. So that's where you almost think draw, and then we're in, and then I'd have to think that the U.S. is going to be able to better deal with Iran, and then actually scoring against them because they have danger elsewhere. Where again, just pretty much so much of what Wales does is center focused around get the ball to Gareth Bale, and then what does Gareth Bale do with the ball? And I, I don't think even with Christian Pulisic on the field, if you know, if Tim Ray is if Tim Way is not on the field, if Gio Reyna if Tim Way is not on the field, and if Gene And if Gio Reyna are not on the field, I don't see how the U.S. is as dependent on Pulisic in that situation as uh, Wales is with Bale, regardless of who else is on the field. So I still like their chances to advance. Obviously, it's a disappointing result, um, and I I can understand the frustrations. I think a lot of their issues are very easily fixable. That being said, I think they're going up against, at worst, the fourth best team in this tournament, and they're probably going to lose on Friday. But what do I know?
0: Yeah, last thing I'll say is is just uh you know the the play that everybody's talking about except for the the people who don't know anything about soccer well not nothing don't know anything but I'm being a little bit harsh but um is you know there was the moment where Matt Turner came out to uh, head the ball um at like way out way outside of the box and then which was a crazy uh sweeper keeper move but kind of worked but he only headed the ball to Gareth Bale. And then he couldn't scramble back into his own goal. And then former Colorado Rapid, Kellen Acosta saves the day by yanking him down. I mean, you said it in the rundown of talking about if he had scored from that, if he had shot that ball from there, that's the kind of replay you'd see uh, along with the Maradona hand of God goal from 86 uh, on a replay um, for the rest of our lives. But it didn't because Acosta made a nice play. But um, the other thing I wanted to say was, um in the penalty kick you know Matt Turner dove the right way he got a hand to the ball but demonstrating the quality of Gareth Bale and how good soccer players are at this level right when i watch an mls game and i see a guy take a pk and he hits it to the right side but the goalkeeper gets there usually the goalkeeper saves that gareth bale got so much damn mustard behind that hot dog he hit it so freaking hard he would have put a hole in Matt uh, Turner had he hit Turner in the s- sternum, right? He would have just ripped him in two, right? Like uh, Mortal Kombat style, you know? Like that was just absolutely the hardest hit soccer ball I can remember seeing in my entire life. It was just atomic how hard he hit that ball, and it was just it was just something to behold. And and for for a guy who watches MLS, which is a good league, but not necessarily the best league in the world. Um, to see a guy hit a ball that hard and put it in on frame, kind of epic.
1: All right, uh, Mark, let's move on. Um, since last we podcasted, a lot of Rapids press releases have been uh, posted. So many press releases. Um, we'll start in chronological order. First of all, we got the um news on the club's year-end roster decisions. This included finding out, uh, confirming some players that were. On contracts already for 2023, and then which team options they chose to exercise and non-exercise—not exercise, um um— so first of all, the contract options that the Rapids picked up were for Diego Rubio, Michael Barrios, uh, Ali Laraz, Abubakar Keita, Anthony Markanich, and goalkeeper Abraham Rodriguez. Uh, the club ultimately chose to decline options for Philip Mayaka, the Generation Adidas player, Michael Edwards, and then Steven Batesher. Clint Irwin is out of contract. Giassi Zardes is out of contract. The club remains in discussions with Zardes, Felipe Gutierrez, whose loan has expired from his club down in South America. Betashner, who I just mentioned, and then Edwards. Presumably Mark Clint Irwin is eligible for and heading for free agency. He wasn't going to play next year. Um, I think it's best for him to go somewhere where he's at least going to have some opportunity. And I think this provides an opportunity for Abra to move further into the first team rather than just being with Rapids 2. And so the roster as it stands right now are as follows. There are 22 players under contract. uh, Lalas Abubakar, Brian Acosta, Max Sebastian Anderson, Barrios, Galvan, Kada, Laraz, Lewis, Markanich, Nicholson, Price, Prizo, Rodriguez, Rosenberry, Rubio, Torre, Bacia, <coughs> Warner, Wilson, Yapi, and Yarbrough. So, um, Mark, I, I think the decisions that were made on bringing the players back who were brought back, I think, were pretty self-explanatory. Um, I imagine the situation with Stephen sure, is maybe the club thinking, you know, hey, if we could save 25 I don't think anybody else is going to want you. And then maybe there was also, um, he was on the last year of his deal, so maybe he's thinking, hey, I've played really well. I'm okay with being in a Drew Moore situation in 2024 if you want to keep having me, rather than just picking up. The option, can we negotiate a more reasonable valuation, but then also add on maybe a team option for next year? I'm a little confused about Mike Edwards because I thought he was really good for Rapids too, and he was great in the playoffs for switchbacks as well. Mark, your thoughts on any of all of this, but specifically about Mike Edwards and then ultimately the departure of Generation Adidas bust, Philip Mayaka.
0: Yeah, there's no doubt that both Mayaka and... Ironically, uh, his Clemson teammate, uh, Kamarni Smith, who played for DC United, they both got released. And um, rarely have I seen two integral players for an NCAA championship team who flatlined so hard in Major League Soccer simultaneously, you know, the same year. Um, I think maybe water finds its level in the sense that Mayaka and Smith need to hone their skills at the USL level, but something I put on Twitter the other day was, based on Mayaka's lack of form this last year, I would guess, and based on my experience watching a lot of USL, um, Mayaka's got one chance at redemption. He's, uh, to to quote Eminem, sort of. He's got to go down to a USL team. He's got to get signed up, get penciled into the starting lineup, play regularly, and play pretty well, or he's done. I mean, that's the interesting thing about these players at the very back end of MLS rosters. I think some people think that these guys will just drop down a level and be fine. A lot of these guys drop down a level, and they're not good enough at the USL level because they've been you know, gathering dust in Major League Soccer, and they they go down to USL, and they think that they're really great and that they're going to be fine. And USL's a really tough league. Um, it is very similar to the drop from Premiership to Championship or Championship to League One, and that like they're very physical. People are really you know doggy dog trying to get through each other to the next league. So that's my take on Mayaka. Um, the other sense about about basically all the players who are unsigned or kind of like out of contract, but the team is negotiating. There's a certain amount I think every year, and I don't know that I spend a lot of time thinking about this in the past years. Um, of listen, we've only got 20 slots on the senior roster. Um, we need to clear out 15 of them. We we need to we need to only we need to clear out five spots or six spots or seven spots so that if we want to upgrade, if we want to go abroad, if we want to. Bring in a a couple of really exciting, talented players, or make some trades that we have room for those guys. Um, some some to some degree, that means that there's always some guys on the Rapids roster, like Stephen Shore maybe like Jossie Zardes, um, and maybe even Michael Edwards, who are kind of like held at arm's length, which is basically like we're not, you know, get getting rid of you. We're just saying, like, you know, maybe we'll bring in some other guys, and if there's still room on this roster, you could come along too, right? Um, so there might be a little bit of that. Clint Irwin is not that. You said that very well, Matt, which is uh, Clint Irwin is always kind of a backup goalkeeper um, who's happy to be a backup goalkeeper who maybe if the team thinks that they can, you know, do better like a Rodriguez, maybe they will. So um, that's an interesting question. Um, there's definitely a lot of pieces left aside, which leave some questions about what the team wants to do in the coming year. I was interested to see that Michael Barrios seems to be coming back. Um, you know, I, I think that in what capacity, I don't know. He had a very interesting role this year as kind of like a flex player, right? He was he started about half the games and came on as a sub in about half the games. The question for a 31 year old Michael Barrios, is is that going to continue? And another question for Michael Barrios is, what are we going to sign him? What's his contract going to be next year? Um, did he get did he get extended? They they bought his his option. Yeah, he
1: just had a team option for yeah. for this year, Mark.
0: Which implies that he's going to stay on at the price that he was at roughly last year, which was six hundred eighty thousand dollars. It's a lot of money. So I guess you know that's that that solves that problem, but. That's, that's an interesting move also because it says that this team really does value Michael Barras because that's not cheap. You know, he's one of the more expensive players in the roster. So um, we'll see. Um, and we'll see what they do with uh, Jassy Sardes. I, I feel like maybe they want to negotiate him down a little bit um, and use him as a super sub, ideally, or maybe they really think that he's, you know, part of the plan for the next coming year because he spells David, uh, D- David. Diego Rubio, and and he allows Diego Rubio to roam in pockets or or twin with him in a nice way. I don't know. It's interesting to see. We've got a lot of unanswered questions
1: all good all good points there mark uh, just a few things that i want to bring up um the club as i mentioned earlier is discussing or at least has some interest in retaining for gutierrez obviously that would require a transfer fee or potentially another loan from universidad católica um i think a lot of whether or not that's happening mark is depending upon other moving pieces that the rapids have in the midfield we'll talk about that at the end of the show um I'd be open to them bringing him back, but I don't think he should be the first option, and certainly I I wouldn't pay more than $500,000 in in allocation money in a transfer fee to him, uh, to Katolica, just because of his age, to be honest. Um, the Rapids will obviously have that option to buy Lucas Estevez for reportedly one million dollars USD for with a fifty percent sell on clause. They need to exercise that by December first. So, Mark, uh, I don't think we're going to be hearing about any of that this week, but certainly maybe next week. Um, and then I agree with you. I I haven't heard. I don't. There's not a big market for Giassi's artists in the way that there was for Corey Burke, who obviously went to New York Red Bulls today or yesterday. I can't remember when that was made official, Rabbi. Um. So I don't know that there's there's not a big market for Zardis, and I think he probably knows that you know I you know I, I think he knows that he's he'd be wanted here with the Rapids, but he'd probably have to take a pay cut. I think I've said this multiple times on the pod. I would be open to bringing him back at the amount that they're paying Diego Rubio, Jack Price, you know, um, Michael Barrios. Anywhere within a hundred k of any of those guys, I think I would be totally fine with that. Um, I don't know that somebody – I don't know that there's anybody in the league coming at him for, um, you know, a million dollars a year and a super long contract. And there's definitely not anybody that's coming at him for, what, the $1.4 million that he was paid, um, according to the um, MLS Players Association last year. Let's move on, Rabbi. The MLS expansion draft came and went. Colorado Rapids protected a bunch of players. They left a few players unprotected, and ultimately no Rapids player was taken in that. Um, Mark, I I did I'll be honest, I completely forgot about it. I was in the midst of cooking dinner, stuff took a little bit longer that (laughs) night. And I was like, oh crap, what did I miss? Did something happen? And I looked at the list that St. Louis picked up, and other than the guy from FC Cincinnati, I'm like, I've never heard of these players. Are they any good? Oh, wait, they're trading some for allocation money. Oh, they're pulling a Charlotte, they're pulling an FC Cincinnati, they're pulling an Austin, they're pulling a Miami. Okay, I'm done here. So no Rapids player was taken, Mark. We don't need to talk about what this means from a St. Louis standpoint. We are not a St. Louis City podcast. But, here's the list of players who were ultimately left unprotected. Clint Irwin, I think, is redundant from what we mentioned earlier. Defenders, Betasher, Estevez, Markanich, Drew Moore, who's retired, um, and Danny Wilson. Midfielders, Gutierrez, Mayaka, Colin Warner. Um, One of those is not coming back with the Rapids. One of them... They, St. Louis would have to negotiate another fee. If you want Colin Warner, you can have Colin Warner. And the only forward was Jossie artist. Based on my understanding of the roster rules and regulations, Mark, the only thing that would really happen there is there's a clause in the CBA that the team that a – MLS free agent played most recently for can negotiate a higher contract percentage raise compared to their last salary than any other team realistically so it's effectively the MLS equivalent of the bird rights for the NBA fans listening so um There was really no point in selecting him. But so, Mark, we talked about this a little bit of, is there a little game theory that poor Smith would have gone with um, in terms of leaving players protected or unprotected? Um, Did you see any of that? Were you upset by any certain players being protected or unprotected? And also, um, you know, just your thoughts on that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think Estevez and Wilson being left unprotected were both game theory, which was, and I think you called, Matt, if I'm not mistaken, when we, reviewed this a couple of months ago you thought Lucas Estevez would be left on un, un, uh, unpicked um, yeah I mean basically Wilson has a lot of value I think he's a really you know good solid player for the Rapids even if they don't if they can replace him next year uh, with a, a an upgrade he's a good veteran player I think he's the kind of player that could really help st. Louis but I think at his price um, He's a little expensive. He's $354,000, and I think he's a little long in the tooth. He's probably not a first-line starter. He's pretty solid. I mean, what he can do is he's a very solid defender, um, and he can switch the field, and he can distribute out of the back really, really well. But, you know, if you're a really young, exciting team like St. Louis, you probably want to go out and get something Um, foreign Uh, and you probably want to get a mobile central uh, defender who can cover ground you know in the open field so and Danny Wilson isn't really either of those things Um, the other challenge of Danny Wilson at least last I checked is he occupies an international slot Um, so that's a challenge Um, the Colorado Rapids currently have nine international slots which is really fun Um, they have a lot of wheeling and dealing to do um, Pork Smith is kind of famous for um, pegging exactly what he thinks the international, the number of international players he's going to need is, and then selling off all those spots for straight cash, homie, and then using the straight cash in innovative and creative deals. Um, he will either uh, target a player for the uh, super draft and then reap all the cash off the teams that weren't planning on doing the super draft. Um, Or going the other way, punting all the rapid super draft picks, uh, hogging all the gam and tam that he could possibly get, and then using it in some innovative way to to make an in team in league or out of league deal for a player. So Porik likes to cook. This is really he's you know this is a man who worked for the FIFA Fair Play um, Department and really understood the concept of arbitrage. Right, which is the financial theories of where are the gaps financially which you can exploit for your best uh, advantage. You know, rest assured, Rapids fans, he is looking at the expansion rules, the current iteration of the MLS uh, roster rules, trying to find out the places where there are little cracks in the armor so he can scam 50,000 here and 50,000 there and then flip that into one really valuable player. Um, In order to do that, by the way, he needs a little bit of roster flexibility. So I think he did a pretty good job here. Um, And ultimately, there was nothing to report from the expansion draft. But of course, me and Matt always think that everything can be
1: overthought to the nth degree. We wouldn't be doing our jobs if we didn't think through that, Mark. And I'm (laughs) certain that Borick Smith did the exact same. Moving on, Mark, this would have been, what, a week ago now today. um, If we're believing it, it was effectively official Sunday morning, um, the Colorado Rapids, Mark, officially have a shirt sponsor for the first time Woo! since Transamerica in 2018, 2019, question mark, um, and it is UC Health, uh, University of Colorado Health. Um, mark, I'm looking at a photo here of Darren Yapi, Max, and Diego Rubio with the new printing that we have on it. It is in the Rapids blue, which uh, contrasts well with the burgundy, obviously. Um, it's not an over- bearing logo it is not a it's not a shirt sponsor whose uh, iron on logo completely ruins the jersey like that Chevy logo that was just smeared over the Man United crest and looked absolutely Horrible. So feels good about that. Rabbi, you were at the press conference that you had with Porg Smith and then (laughs) um, some representation from UC Health as well. What can you say? What does this mean in terms of, you know, the club and everything? And I know UC Health and the Rapids have had a bit of a relationship with some of the medical stuff they're doing throughout the club. What does all of this mean other than the fact that we can finally shut up about the Rapids not having a shirt sponsor? And presumably there's a little bit more money that they have to spend now from said sponsorship.
0: Yeah. Um. Thanks for reminding me that I was on that call. Uh, I have a sinking suspicion that maybe I was the only person on that call because nobody else asked any questions, and that's okay. Um. I was glad to be able to take it. Um. It was a it was a nice conversation. It was great to see um Porik in the flesh and Manny Rodriguez, who is the um UC Health um uh, Comms PR guy um what can i tell you i mean the key question that i asked is hey Pork, you want to tell me the financial terms of the deal and he was like nope um he didn't say it that way but um yeah i mean they were both uh so i think one of the things that uh mr rodriguez pointed out from uc health was this wasn't so much a sign on the dotted line financial you know promotional deal so much as this was kind of like a promotion from uh, from the lower leagues, right? This is a, uh, organization that had been in relationship with the Rapids and wanted to kind of grow and expand their relationship. Um, I, I kind of liked, you know, maybe I fell hook, line, and sinker for the corporate speak, Matt, but I kind of liked it anyways, which was UC Health and the Rapids were very much identifying that they liked each other's brand a lot, right? UC Health saw that putting their brand on kids who run around um, in, on academy teams, on young, healthy people doing young, healthy, athletic things is really the kind of thing they want to promote, right? They want to promote young people moving, healthy lifestyles, the outdoor lifestyle in Colorado. And the Colorado Rapids fell into that brand perfectly for them. Um, the Rapids with UC Health felt the same way about kind of like physical therapy and training. Um, Clearly, you know, having a name brand Colorado large scale organization behind them felt good for Porek and the team. And I think that they were very proud that they landed a a corporate sponsor. I joked on Twitter, I hope they got their first payment, um, you know, kind of uh, up front and a significant amount of money. That was a joke and a dig at the Rapids in reference to the Chow days when the Colorado Rapids um, made a multi-million dollar deal with a telecom company called Chow and then uh, only got the first seventy-five thousand dollars of the deal and um, ultimately by I think uh, May of that year um, had to remove the team the, the Chow logo from the from the um, kits because um, they hadn't paid. Um, and so that's a great thing about UC Health is that we don't have to worry about that. Um, you know, I think you're going to see that name around all the time. I think you're going to see one of the things that the Rapids have been really good at when they get larger sponsors is integrating them into lots of things. You'll see them in the broadcast. You'll see them in the parking lot uh, at the tailgate. You'll see their logo um, all around the stadium um, and lots of free giveaways and stuff like that. It'll be, it. it there's, it's a, it's more or less a win-win-win. Um, I only wish we knew how much financially it would help the the Rapids on the balance sheet, but you know that's it's understandable they didn't contribute that. So I, I I thought it was it was a solid press conference. I think I don't think there's anybody in the world in Rapids Land who isn't happy about this, except for maybe the folks who were hoping that it was going to be a cannabis sponsor, a local brewery, or um the tree farm out on uh i-25 go five miles west through the tree farm
1: yeah no all good points there mark i mean i have to believe there's no way it's not in like the ballpark of other shirt sponsors that we have you know let's just say you know if, if atlanta united from what is it um uh, it's the it's the home like family mortgage company that I can't remember the name of. I can picture the logo. And... That's all I need. You're yeah. Good enough. So you know, so if, if they're getting a million dollars, Mark, like I, I highly doubt the Rapids are getting less than five hundred k a year from UCL. So I mean, it... and the deal
0: is through. I, this is important to say for those who don't know it. The
1: deal is through twenty twenty nine.
0: So that's good. It offers a lot of stability. It's a nice long term contract.
1: Yeah. So um, a nice long term contract. So I believe Mark that has to easily be longer than... I feel like the Transamerica deal was only like four or five years at the most, so... That's nice to do, Um, and, you know, also, you know, I've I've heard from, you know, I heard from people up the ladder at the time that the Rapids really wanted to build, like, a corporate sponsor to actually have a relationship and a partnership with, and they didn't really achieve that with Transamerica. I've heard third, maybe fourth hand that ultimately Transamerica also wasn't happy with that. Relationships are two-way streets, but, you know, this is a, this is an entity that obviously immediately has brand recognition within the state of Colorado. They're both local, so there's a lot more interactions in the way that maybe Transamerica that I think is based out somewhere in the Midwest, if you're talking where their corporate headquarters are, there's a little bit of distance there. And there's an immediate impact that you have in terms of, you know, the interacting that's affecting the first team, and it's going to have a positive influence on the community as well. You know, I don't know how much other than financial literacy Help um, educational services, how much Transamerica was doing to actually directly affect the Colorado Rapids boots on the ground level. But absolutely, you know, UC Health is a health resource. Rapids are trying to be strength at altitude. The Rapids have had a lot of injuries, Mark. I'm sure there's somebody over at UC Health that knows something about rehabbing ACLs that would absolutely be helpful for the Rapids come preseason. So that's all good to hear on that. Uh, one thing that I forgot in the rundown mark we officially got some numbers regarding the um, uh, regarding how much Apple TV plus is going to cost or how much the extra charge for getting all of the MLS games as opposed to some of the MLS games Mark I don't have the number in front of me was it 99 for the year Does that sound right?
0: 99 for the year if you are not already signed up for Apple plus Apple TV plus. And 7 for the year if you're already signed up. And that leads to a ton of questions that a lot of us still have, which you know it's still a little confusing whether it's $99 or $99 after you've already signed up for Apple. But either way, um, you know, some people are griping, but most people are like, yeah, okay, that's fair.
1: Yeah, so I think the two interesting things that I see there, Mark, is that that is a price point that I think is understandable for the hardcore fans. If I'm comparing that, I would say I believe it was $75 for the year, and I think it was 15 bucks a month for MLS Live back in the day in like 2012, 2013. You figure, okay, that's right around the same amount, but with the inflation that we've just gotten in the last two years, Mark, that's certainly – Better bang for your buck value as well on that front. And then even if you only want some MLS games, if you don't want one for your specific team as well, you're still getting a good number of those just by having the simple Apple TV subscription, which is on par with the other subscriptions you see from Hulu, Paramount Plus, Peacock, all of the other ones that exist and everything. Where I have some issues and where I'm really curious about is to the casual soccer fan, to the... um. You know, where there's room for growth in terms of the fan base, sports fans in other markets, soccer fans who really like European soccer, who could some who could be interested in MLS. I don't know. I I think that price point is way too much for that, because just the I already have Apple TV. I now want all the MLS games that is more expensive than the entire year of ESPN plus is going to cost. And that's with ESPN Plus raising their prices, what, four or five months ago. That is more than Paramount Plus that you would get if you want Champions League as well. That is, so I just, I I don't, I look at that price point and say, I get that and what do I get? Just all of the other MLS games. I'm not super interested in that. When you just look at the barrier to entry for pretty much all the other leagues and sports that you would want, really outside of if you're a cord cutter, who watches the Premier League cuz then like you need a cable subscription and then if you don't yeah, and then maybe the cable subscription comes with Peacock maybe you need Peacock you know that that's the one that's a little bit more complicated I just I don't know how the casual sports fan mark who I don't know how the casual rapids fan who's an Arsenal fan or whatever um you know, pays for MLB TV to watch all of the out-of-market Rockies games or something like that. I don't know how someone says, "Oh, you mean I get the Bundesliga, I get La Liga um, for on ESPN Plus? I get a bunch of other stuff on ESPN Plus for fifty bucks a year. Um, if I want to watch uh, Serie, A, you know, another sixty bucks a year on Paramount, I get Serie A and I get Champions League. Why would I pay seventy-five k just to watch some of the other Rapids games?"
0: Yeah, I mean, I think for the domestic fan and for the domestic fan, that's kind of a tweener. Um, you know, that person who is an English Premier League fan who wants to maybe dabble in other soccer leagues but isn't sure, um, price is always an issue. I'm going to add something that I've really never thought of, and I am pull, pulled up the, the webpage for MLS Soccer in order to just double-check this, um, and I was right. I think one of the things that's really... I haven't heard anybody really talk about it, but I do think it's really interesting. You know, you can't get an English Premier League subscription um, in two countries on the same service. Meaning, if you live in Mexico half the year and you live in the U.S. half the year, or if you know, if you have a friend in Mexico, you are watching English Premier League games on two completely different services. I think an interesting and not really talked about aspect of this new deal with Apple is that Apple TV is being offered in a hundred countries. And the price point is probably the same roughly in every country. Meaning if you're in Sweden and you're thinking about leagues to watch, um, you might be interested in signing up for MLS because the price point is fairly straightforward. It's not complicated, right? Like for me, I'm a huge fan of Israeli soccer. There's no easy or simple way to watch Israeli soccer. It's basically unpurchasable um, unless you want to pay through the nose. I believe it's like $40 a month um, to watch Israeli soccer in America, which is just ridiculous for a, a mediocre league. But the fact that you've got a fairly reasonable price to watch some fairly good soccer players, I mean, add to that the fact that Gareth Bale is going to be in the league next year You've got a couple other players, and of course, there is um, uh, the rumor, again, that Lionel Messi is probably interested in coming to Inter-Miami. I mean, that's really going to drive a lot of of interest uh, abroad, and so that's that's pretty good. I think the other thing that um, we're all kind of holding our breath on is the production values of the pregame and postgame show. Um, You know, we've always been treated like, uh, you know... uh, orphan stepchildren um, compared to like these fancy Sunday morning NFL wraparound shows that you can watch and you can sit on your couch all day long ordering pizza from the local pizza place um, and, and binging throwball. Um, and MLS has always been, well, you could do that, but you'd have to have three different packages, change the channel multiple times, and you probably don't have a very good commentary show to sit through to kind of prep you on all that stuff. Um, Those are some aspects of this deal that I really like. Of course, the last thing we're kind of waiting on, that we will be waiting on for the next month or two, is who they've signed up to be the commentary team, who they've signed up to be the pregame and postgame show folks. Um, And the last piece of news that dropped uh, today, which I don't think was a surprise because he kind of already hinted that, was that Richard Fleming officially confirmed that MLS has not uh, engaged him for the next coming year. So he will be doing something else next year. We wish Richard... Well, professionally in his next iteration, I have no doubts that the man will find something really meaningful. I think for us Rapids fans, we're all nervous to think about who's going to sit in the booth and call our games. The plan from uh, Apple was that they're going to rotate their their broadcast teams. They're going to mix and match um, 12 different teams, and then they're going to rotate those people around the league. So we may hear some familiar voices that we Rapids fans have heard. Uh, calling uh, opposing games for the last years, or working for Fox, or working for um, ESPN. We may hear some new voices. Some of those might be great and really fun to listen to. Some may be babes in the woods saying moronic things that uh, really frustrate me and Matt because we're like, Doomkov, we already knew that, or that's actually not correct. Um, but we'll bear with it, and hopefully you know, things will suss themselves out, and we'll we'll end up with a pretty good service with Apple. You know, I think for the folks who... The last thing I'll say is, I think for the folks who listen to the show, um, I am f- confident that Apple will be an upgrade over what we've had in the past overall, and that you are probably going to pay for the full thing. I think the question that Matt is really asking is, is this going to grow the league? Um, and I have faith that over time, the league will continue to very slowly grow because remember matt in addition to this the people who don't pay for apple tv are going to get a few free games a year and maybe they'll click the button and, and give it a try you know it should be it should be a good uh a good thing
1: yeah just one thing that i want to point out mark um i do know i've heard from a couple season ticket holders that prices generally post pandemic so we'll say 2021 to, to this year to Next year, season tickets have increased a little bit. How much of that is inflation? How much of that is just generally the fact that season tickets rarely go down in cost? I think is a good question, but I know there's been one question that's come that came out of this when we initially heard that season ticket holders would have this comped already. And I think there's a question of would the league, would teams effectively be baking that into the price? You know, were were the Rapids already going to raise season ticket prices on average by about a hundred dollars so that effectively you were paying for this even though it's oh I you know I renew my season tickets and then I get Apple TV plus and all the MLS stuff for free. I think it's a valid question. I know prices have gone up a little bit and so I'm wondering if that was included in the calculus when the Rapids sent that information out, you know, a couple months ago when whenever it was it was time for renewal. But what do I know? Um Mark, let's come on to the last thing Um, we've officially found out. (laughs) Rabbi, I don't know how I've done this, but somehow in the matter of like six months, I've beaten Tom Boger to two scoops that are Rapids related and Rapids related in Europe. So I don't know. Well done, sir. I I don't know about that. Um, You know, Tom's great. I like Tom. He's a good person. But um, So Mark, in any case, we found out uh, Cole Bassett has officially been recalled from his loan to Fortuna Sittard. As I reported originally, there were a couple of stipulations in the loan there upon which the Rapids could uh, terminate the loan early and then bring him back to the Rapids. Those were believed to be some combination of minutes played, um, uh, games started, games played, and there might have also been a, a goals uh, goal contributions in there. Um, Colmark, I think, played, what, 286 minutes. I think he started a total of three games, one of which was a cup game. That's where he got his only goal or his only goal contribution for Fortuna, um, and it didn't really work out. Um, I spoke with him earlier today at halftime at the DNBR bar uh, during the wales USMT game. Um, I think overall he was disappointed, Mark. I think obviously he gets brought in. You know, he has two, three days training. The next game happens. He's not yet in the lineup. Uh, Fortuna loses that game. That's their third loss in a row. And then the manager who really wanted him is sacked. And the new manager comes in and doesn't really want him. Um, I think there's more going on there in terms of why that ended up not working out. That's soccer. Sometimes it happens. Um, I think Cole tried to find a way to be level-headed and professional about it. Um, and, you know, ultimately there were lessons learned in that. And I think he's he's a better person and I think he'll be a better professional having gone through his little you know dutch you know year abroad he was a more fit uh you know sharper player when he played in the thanksgiving game uh last year than he is I think right now or he was at the end of the season last year p season with Fire Nord, but that doesn't mean that he doesn't have experiences that I think make him a little bit better, a little bit more experience as well, better tactical understanding. And if nothing else, you know, a better idea of what it takes to find success in Europe that will serve him if and when the next opportunity comes up. Um, you know, I think he kind of alluded to, Mark, that there might be some that he'd be open to going back to to Europe. Um, I think if he's back with Colorado, I think he'd be fully committed. Obviously he loves the club, he's the home he's a homegrown and everything. But, you know, I think if there were similar interests and it was a better, softer landing place, I think FireNord initially was a good idea. It didn't really work out. As I mentioned earlier, Fire Nord's er, Fortuna seemed like a really good opportunity and then four days in it ended up being not a very good opportunity that in hindsight was really a waste of four or five months of his career and everything but I'll have some more stuff out on there on Burgundy Wave. We are not playing the audio for you for from that interview on the podcast here, folks, because there was just way too much background noise at halftime, and there's no way for me to edit it and make it sound remotely good or understandable from Cole specifically. But, um, Rabbi, your thoughts on this move? What does it mean for Cole? What could Cole bring to a midfield that desperately needed composure on the ball and quality last year?
0: Great questions. Um, I guess my, my most important take about Cole Bassett is we really don't know what this is going to do to the young man. Some people come back from Europe having not had a successful experience chastened and feeling like, wow, that was a lot of energy expended for nothing. And they come back and they, they kind of like fade away. And that, that, that's kind of the, the beginning of the death knell of their career. Um, and then there's the Landon Donovan, right? Landon went off to Everton, uh, it went okay. Uh, it didn't come off great, uh, and he came right back to the United States, and he did great things. You know, he went right back to being one of the best players um, in the world in Major League Soccer. He used it as, as fuel and as fire. Um, it, it's not a it's not a one to one situation, but you know, like um, Matt Miazga is a is a good example of uh, Cole the of what could happen to Cole Bassett, which is he went off to Europe. And he kind of never really made the mark, and he fell off of the USMNT kind of train, and and that was kind of the end of, of, of you know he his high water mark was being sold to Europe. Um, so there are really big questions about what Cole Bassett is going to do next year with this. Um, I do definitely think that Finord um, uh, is only holding on to him in name only. I don't think. There's any expectation that at the end of his one more year of being loaned, um, that Finord is eventually going to hang on to him. Um, I think he's basically back with the Colorado Rapids for the duration, um, and I hope that he 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 progresses. Um, you know, I feel like his progress his progress was likely flat for the last year. He didn't likely learn any new tricks because of how unstable his loan time was or how little time he got with the senior team in Feyenoord. Um That means he comes back to the Rapids without a whole lot of progress in hand. He's got a lot of work ahead of him. Um, and I think that his, his desire is a big question of that. You know, the biggest challenge with um, Cole Bassett is he has a couple of dimensions as a number eight or a number 10, but he's missing a few of the pieces to be a fully rounded out player. Um, you know, the ability to kind of like go both ways and defend, um, you know, his, 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 uh, really, his, his, his really accurate passing um, is has always been like a step behind other elite players. But I think his kind of dribbling and mobility, his ability to appear in the box as a kind of a late arriving striker type option has always been top notch. Um, so he's got a few tricks and uh, tricks and skills still to pick up. Um, and that's going to be the definition, the determination of whether he is a, a critical, uh, top notch player for the Colorado Rapids next year, or whether he's just a guy we brought back on loan and feel obligated to slot into the, to the roster. So it's a lot of questions there. Um, I'm really a little nervous about it, um, but hopeful, I guess.
1: I mean if nothing else Mark I think he brings a lot of quality and I think mobility that the midfield was desperately needing. You know, if you're talking about a- Oh, he's
0: an upgrade on Max. That's that's like the most important thing. But Max wasn't
1: starting, so that's a problem. Yeah, okay, but Mark if I told you right now, that, let's say let's let's keep it simple. Rapids resign Jassi's artist and the plan for the three man midfield is Rubio at the 10, Bassett at the 8 and Price at the 6. And then um, I don't want to make a decision about Felipe Gutierrez yet, but let's say it's, let's say it's Ali, the and Prizo is the first two guys off the bench. Like, is that not an immediate upgrade over the state of the midfield that we had March of last, of this year?
0: And then Brian Acosta is just gone altogether, or he's off the bench, deep,
1: deep on the bench? Oh, that's a good, Something like that. that's a good question. So I guess the, if we're, if we're talking about, because those are, if I'm talking about the starters, those are three different players that all do different specific things. So let's say our let's say our second line would be Prizo, Larraz, Acosta. And so then who you're subbing on and who you're subbing off is probably dependent on the situation and the player. But then like if we're talking about those si- that's a six man deep, a, a two deep roster in terms of the midfield mark that has to be way better than where we were, you know, at times this season.
0: It's pretty good. I mean, I think, you know, with Bassett, the, there's a, there's some question for me about whether the Rapids are best in a 4-3-3 with him, kind of at that eight position, or whether they don't need to monkey around. I've been doing player reviews. I'm on to defensive midfielders right now. I'm going very slowly um, because there's a lot of things to think about. And also, there's a lot of other good soccer on to watch. But I think one of the things that I've been thinking about is early in the season, the Rapids because they had lost Kellen Acosta, they didn't have a lot of really good midfield options. And so effectively they went to something like a 4-4-2 or a 3-4-3 um, in which there were only two central midfielders. And they did that because they didn't have three central midfielders. And I kind of wonder whether the Rapids wouldn't look better with Cole Bassett learning how to become a wide midfielder. I think that might be fun, like a kind of a ball control-y, um uh uh you know a slower footed um d- uh, a wide uh, attacker uh might be a- an option for the rapids so i don't know I-, I i think we're still trying to figure out um how best to win soccer games with cole bassett on the field
1: last thing that we have to talk about mark is the england game looking ahead to that um, Rabbi, what do we see in this match? I know we talked about it a little bit earlier, but I have to think Gio Reyna has some involvement, regardless of the quotes that came out from him and Triple G um, in the aftermath of the game against Wales, um, a match that we think you know matches up a little bit better in terms of what the U.S. tries to do well, effectively a free hit if we're talking about just trying to finish second in the group. What do we see in, in Black Friday, Mark, and what I think will probably be the most watched u.s soccer game in the history of the u.s soccer being on tv
0: oh yeah i'm literally having a party at my house uh and inviting a whole bunch of people over most of whom not know nothing about soccer um i mean this england team gave iran an absolute drubbing but after the first goal iran just looked really shaky all around they just did not look composed controlled Um, They fell back really far. They kind of, like, invited England forward, ceded possession. It was scary to look at. Then you have Raheem Sterling, like, banging it in, uh, you know, at will. You had um, Jude Bellingham. um, Really, this, you know, he got the first goal. Um, This was his coming out party for most of us in the soccering world who don't watch Borussia Dortmund. Bakayo Saka looked just as spectacular as he has been for the last year and a half with Arsenal. Um, it was, it was kind of terrifying to watch England clicking on all cylinders. And on some level you have to ask yourself like, well, is that them just drubbing a poor opponent or are they really that good? And I do think for a lot of folks who watched the, um, the last Euros um, and have watched the growth and evolution of this England team, I think a lot of us are thinking like this is a legit semifinal contender. Um, some people probably would even go so far as to say this is a finals contender. Um, so for the U.S., if you can slow them down, if you can muck them up, if you can strike on the counter, if you could do what the U.S. used to do really, really well back in the early days of its team in '94, um, in you know '98, in 2006. Where we were the faster, the more physical team, the craftier team. We seeded possession and strike, strike on the counter. You know, kind of like lop it, you know, like loft it over the top, run onto it. You know, like that might be the way to go at it. Route one soccer bunker encounter, old school, um, grind it out and try and get yourself a one-one or a two-two draw, and then you're probably through to the next round. Um, I do not think you should go toe-to-toe with England. I think a lot of American fans would disagree with me on that. I think a lot of folks would say, no, no, we're, we're just as good as them. We can match up. But I don't think we've been as good as them in the last six months, and I don't think we should try to be. Um, but uh, yeah, to your point, Matt, there's a little bit of strategy going into these final two games. You don't have to beat England. If you draw them, you're in great shape to get out of the group. If you lose by only a goal, you're probably in okay shape potentially coming out of the group because i think wales england is like the smart money is on england drubbing them um or at least beating them by a goal and then it comes down to goal differential right and it means the u.s goes into a game against iran needing to beat the living snot out of them and just take all the goals off them that's the way i'd go play for a draw against england and then expect to score for win for nothing against uh Iran, Matt. What are your thoughts? Who are the players to worry about? What are the tactics the U.S. should employ? Do you agree with anything I said, or am I just blowing hot air?
1: Um, you're in the uh, you're in the right ballpark. Um, I'm worried about Bukayo Saka. Obviously, um, Marcus Rashford and uh, Marcus Rashford, or no, Raheem Sterling, excuse me, Raheem Sterling, and Harry Kane. Obviously, because Kane didn't get a goal, and I think he's probably looking at thinking this is a really good chance for him to win the Golden Boot at the World Cup. So I'm worried about them in terms of key players for the United States. I think I'm I'm curious to see how Burhalter lines up the midfield because do you have, do you put, do you start Brandon Aronson because he's the most mobile and he's going to be the best guy in terms of pressing England? What does that mean? Given Weston McKinney, you probably, you know, you're not, he's not going to play, All three of these games, you know, more than 65 minutes averaged. So he's not going to play 190 minutes across those three games. Um, So I'm curious about that. Do we see Gio Reyna? Is Gio Reyna on the bench? Is he the first sub in the second half? Does he start and then just not play 90 minutes? And... You know, I think Sargent did some really good stuff despite the lack of service that ultimately ended up getting to him because so many of Pulisic's crosses, uh, you know, didn't make it past the near post and everything. So I don't know that it warrants – I don't know that he warrants being dropped. And also I think him compared to the other forwards on this team, he's the best presser of them. So I almost think the you go defensive of – Let's put in Aronson. Let's put in Joss Sargent. Let's try to press the crap out of them. Try and do things in transition. But fundamentally, most important thing, let's just get to halftime nil nil, and then we could bring on Gio Reyna, Luca De La Torre. If it's Aronson in the midfield and Musa's out, you could bring in Musa. Um, you know, it, uh, potentially Wea would be available off the bench to then really try and go for it in transition. And the longer this game goes nil nil, the more the pressure ratchets up on England. So. I think it's it's interesting, but in terms of who I think the key players are, for me, I need to see what that lineup looks like, just because I have so many questions about that, especially with what's come out post-game between him and Reyna. Um, I predicted a 1-1 draw earlier on Last Word SC Radio, which you can find on your podcatcher of choice, so I guess I have to stick with that, Mark, but I'm, I'm not super optimistic on my pick. Last thing that I want to say here, Rabbi, um, did you see the tweet from LAFC at 1.43 p.m. today? Oh? They have a picture of Gareth Bale in an L.A.S.C. kit with a Wales flag, and it looks like a Welsh castle behind him. And they tweeted Bale in all caps with a bunch of A's.
0: Wow, way to way to go, anti-American!
1: I I just I, I'm gonna I'm just gonna say this, Mark. I think if uh, I can't recall a scenario where when the LA Galaxy had either of the the Dos Santos brothers and they did something with Mexico against the United States and them tweeting in celebration of that. If that's not cringy and warranting them removing LAFC as MLS Cup champions, I don't know what is, but also they're getting roasted in the comments. So RIP to that admin and their mental health, I suppose. Um,
0: To your point, Matt, just to uh, fact check, uh, you, you, you asked the question about Sterling versus Rashford. Rashford came on scored a goal and i do think you know i think they're both fantastic wide players um i think any one of saka rashford Grealish, or um uh sterling could start the next match i also think that they could rotate once they get a result on friday that they like that either assures them to go through or puts them in a very good position to go through. Against Wales, they may rotate the squad a little bit to keep folks fresh and healthy. So we may see both Sterling and Rashford get starts in this group stage. So you never know. But yeah, I, I do think your points about Gio Reyna, that's the real talk that everybody is busting out on the Twitter machine. Um, you know, that, that that Gio Reyna should have been brought on instead of Jordan Morris. You know, as an MLS stand myself, I really like Jordan Morris. I think the, he brings speed and verticality. I think he dives through the back line in a very different way than Gio Reyna does. Um, I, I don't necessarily think it was a better decision to bring on Morris. I just thought it was a different decision. It brings a different dynamic. and All the players on this team belong there. They all can do really good things. And I think to your point before, um, you know, the one player that we kind of need a little bit more precision, a little bit more quality... A little bit more carefulness is Christian Pulisic, but for those of us who are fans and have been watching the USMNT um, for the last six eight months, watching Christian Pulisic not quite be as good as we'd hoped we, he'd be is something that we all have witnessed a lot of. So you know, he we hope he pulls it together. I don't think he's getting dropped from the team sheet, um, but I definitely think. As goes Christian Pulisic, so goes the USMNT in this final game, or in the next, sorry, in the second game, in the final game too. But let's not get ahead of ourselves, folks. We are sponsored by Icarus FC and Roughnecks Scars. Icarus has some nice stuff on offer for this uh, World Cup. Um, there are some great kits out there that they will, uh, they have on order. You can also. Make your own kit with Icarus FC. They have all sorts of color styles and all sorts of color combinations, plus different graphics that you can choose. Um, And Roughneck Scarves does some great stuff with the custom neckwear. Their stuff is really warm and really great. It's time of year when you probably want a scarf. Um, The last three days in Pittsburgh, it has been um, between uh, 20 and 30 degrees. I saw that in Colorado, Matt, it got down all the way to a low of 10 a few days ago. You guys are grinding it out in the cold. You know what would make you feel better? A scarf. So head on over to Roughneck Scarves and take care. But Matt, tell them to hit how to hit us on the socials, on the email. How to read our written comment and uh, our written content, including my new article, which should drop later this week on reviewing the positions for the Colorado Rapids at defensive midfield. Um, and how to reach us on Twitter.
1: Yeah, listeners, follow us collectively on Twitter at soccer underscore rabbi, at LWS Matt Pollard, and at Rapids96 Podcast. Check out all of our written content collectively at Pittsburgh Soccer Now. Last word on sports, the Burgundy Wave and our Substack, holding the highline.substack.com. Go there and you can also pay to become a subscribing highliner to support financially what we do here at HTHL. Five bucks a month or 42 bucks for the year. Mark, we're officially rolling over. Buying a subscription now gets it to you for 2023, right?
0: It does, that's true.
1: Okay, Um. and then uh. also um, send us your questions using the hashtag AskHTHL, or if you want to get to us via email, um, rapids 96 podcast at gmail.com. Mark, when I was at the DNVR bar, I had three different listeners come up to recognize me, who wanted to say hello, who were very gracious, and it was wonderful getting to visit with them, including I finally got to meet the Rapids Foreign Legion family, so wonderful soccer Yay. moments and friendships and communities, despite the two points dropped for the yanks today um listeners not sure when we'll see you next because obviously other than saying yay to kellen acosta former colorado rep and i'm not sure how much there else there's going on world cup related that's relevant to us but if something big happens with lucas estevez um on december 1st or there's any other big off-season action between now and i'll say a week before thing a week before christmas um we'll see you then and we might also have some other evergreen uh wholesome content that's coming to you that um if it does happen you'll get it in short order but we'll see you the next time that we see you peace